Hello, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. I'm Brandon Wood. And I'm Joe Webb, and this is a podcast for spiritual exiles, for all of us who are looking for faith and spirituality beyond the confines and the walls and the fences of institutional religion. Um, A lot of cool stuff. Uh, before we get started, going on over at the Accidental Tomatoes website. Um, so I want to make sure that that folks know that that's a place to connect. Um, so, you know, folks can go to AccidentalTomatoes.com and you know, find our podcast there. You can find uh, a blog that gets posted every other week by some amazing writers that we have um, on, on a content team. Um, and that's a place to connect, too, if you want to um, find us on social media to, to continue the conversations uh, and, and to connect to our Patreon channel uh, for for financial support. Just kind of before we get started, I wanted to to kind of plug the website because we're going to be starting to do more and more stuff over there and um, kind of wanted to to let folks know uh, what's going on at AccidentalTomatoes.com. Brandon, great episode Another, uh, yeah. coming up here. It's, yeah, it's a good one. I, you want to you tell the folks um, about, yeah. about our uh, our guest today? So this guy, it's all, it's my circles of, of, of community connecting, uh, uh, he's my mentor, uh, the guy that helped me when I first started deconstruction. Um, I call him my Mr. Miyagi because I love Karate Kid. But this is Reverend Jim Norton, um, who spent his life, uh, obviously, in the, the Methodist Church and is retired, uh, but still doing great work. Um, Joe, this was an episode that could have gone on five hours and it oh my, yeah. could have sparked into different bunny trails. And I mean, it, it was great. So um, please... Give a warm welcome to Jim Norton. So I've come to the opinion, along with others, this is not original with me, that science has to be the new religion. If we don't pay attention to science, then then we're out of the ballpark. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Accident on Tomatoes podcast. Joe, I'm excited. Um, I feel like all my worlds are combining right now. Um, <laughs> someone who's very, very special and dear to me. Um, the pandemic is kind of, uh, in some regards, kind of, you know, changed the relationship. And I can't wait for the pandemic is over because I miss my weekly Bob Evans breakfast with our guest. But um, this man is was influential to me and in, when I started deconstruction and was a godsend to Anna and I. So please welcome none other than Reverend, 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 Jim, 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 Norton. Yay! Yeah. Welcome, Jim. So glad to have you with us today. Yeah. You know, I gotta I gotta jump in here real quick and say, um, back in 2019, when when I first launched this podcast, um, our colleague and friend Jenny Williams and I oh, yeah. were kind of talking about, you know, who sh- who should we, you know, who who should the guests be? And your name, and I didn't even know you, like, um, and and Jenny sent me an email and said, Jim Norton is somebody that you would love to talk to for this podcast. That and that was like two years ago now. Yeah. So I'm really excited that that we're finally making this happen. I remember, I remember the time when Jenny and I were talking and I dropped Jim, I dropped your name and she's like, wait, you, you talk to Jim Norton? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like we go to breakfast every week and you know, he's like, I call you, I'm a big karate kid buff. That was my movie growing up. It's still my movie now. Uh, I always called Jim my Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> uh, he's never, he's never made me paint the fence or wax the car. Um, 
Yeah. He's he's yeah, yeah. I've I've never uh he's never bestowed a black belt upon me. Um he's never given me an old school car, you know, but uh metaphorically and spiritually, uh we've done all those things. <laughs> so so she was like, Oh, you know Jim? Like, oh Jim is Jim's my favorite person. So you guys Jim are embarrassing welcome. me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> embarrass you and then make you talk about deep spiritual stuff that's the way it goes okay <laughs> it's your show so, <laughs> so jim for our listener um will you you know briefly give a background of um your occupation and what sure. you've done you know sure. all the years and, and right. such yeah from from my senior year in high school uh to now uh, uh the the decision to be entered the United Methodist Ministry, uh, took shape. It was uh, augmented by the presence of uh, two wonderful campus pastors at West Liberty State University, uh, close to home. Um, And uh, that led to entering seminary. And after that, after having received the stamp of approval, ordained, Um, uh, served uh, eight United Methodist congregations in uh, West Virginia, did a chaplaincy at Murdoch Center, which is uh, an institutional residency, institutional setting for uh, mentally challenged uh, individuals, Um, and uh, also another chaplaincy internship while at Duke. and uh, have done some postgraduate work and uh, uh, retired at the end of June in 2004 after 46 years of um, serving mostly congregations. Wow. I didn't realize you had, you did eight congregations. That's awesome. Um, What have you been up to since your retirement? Because I know you've still been pretty active with yeah. social justice and, and organizations. Right. I'm presently involved in uh, the Communities of Shalom Prevention Solutions, uh, which is very active in uh, four areas of uh, uh, augmenting harmony and peace and joy in the community, uh, health and welfare, housing, um, spirituality. That's that's the group that I had, and uh, uh, multicultural uh, uh, matters, uh, and and so we've been very active working with city council, the human rights commission, uh, in terms of finding ways to make uh, improvements in in what's called community uh, within Fairmont. Uh, and uh, it, it's an amazing organization. It's part of uh, West Virginia Prevention Solutions. Also, that's it's that's its um, um, lead organization. Oh, nice! Yeah, that's awesome. Now we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, some stuff that kind of has been uh, reshaping, <clears throat> reshaping your thinking and, and, mm-hmm. um, and, and such. But before we get into that, I kind of want to intro it with this. Uh, you preached a sermon 
And for me to watch a sermon, listen to a sermon is, is saying volumes because uh, <laughs> I always I always say the American church is spiritually fat in regards to like just sitting and listening to sermons and not doing crap. You know hey, what I mean? Like I understand. I don't. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I have no desire to like watch. You know, now really good obviously really good articulators and, and, and preachers all watch mainly because of the art form and how I'm impressed with the art form. But anyways, you, you sent me a message or sent uh, an email out saying you were preaching. So, um, I, I went on and I was watching it and it was, it was phenomenal. It was, uh, you were kind of guest, it would it be like a guest yes. preaching spot. Um, I think the pastor and his family had gotten COVID and so you were asked to, to step in. Um, in, in your introduction, there was a, a quote you said that really stuck out to me. I kind of felt like you were talking about me, but I won't take it all about, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure there's others that this relates to, but I want to kind of use this as like the, the launch pad for the conversation. Okay. Um, you were saying, you, you were talking about, you know, the fact that you're back in church and you're preaching and, you know, but you said, the quote is, it's not that I have abandoned the church. Rather, if you will please pardon a criticism the church has been failing generations of very wondrous, worthy people in need. Yes. And yeah. like, because it was live, I couldn't pause it. But I mean, that just like, like a dagger hit me and, you know, hit me in the chest. I was like, oh my God, not that I've abandoned the church, but the church has been failing generations. Could you kind of expound upon that of, of what led you to say that? Uh, yeah, I, I think part of it is that the church, uh, that old habits die hard, and uh, the church is continuing to do uh, and proclaim and interpret the way it always has. And, and, and it just doesn't relate to what we now understand about the cosmos, the universe. Um, the, you know, the Bible was written at a time when when those who wrote it imagined that the sun rose in the east and set in the west and then had to rush back underneath the flat <laughs> earth in order to get in position to rise again. Uh, and, and actually the sun doesn't rise. It's the earth's rotation <laughs> that makes it appear to rise. And, and, and so much of what the church is doing harkens back to what it has always mm. done uh, in recent times. That's not true of the whole history of the church. The church has made <laughs> enormous uh, new applications and, and new understandings throughout its history. But for some reason, today in America at least, we seem to be so resistant uh, to uh, I, even even we were talking earlier about listening to sermons. Um, some sermons are very articulate. They they make the point of Bible stories uh, in metaphorical ways, but then they go on to include all of the trigger words uh, as if pleasing the audience um, with the words they expect to hear whenever they listen to a sermon. So somehow they have to throw in all of that language without really defining it or interpreting it, and 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 that language then becomes muddled and confused and confused and uh, rife with garbledy gook. 
and, 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 wow. and, and what, what would make a much better sermon, in my opinion, would simply be do the metaphor, then quit. Don't, <laughs> don't gar- wow. garbage it up with uh, <laughs> all of the language we're supposed to hear in a sermon. That's, well, that, that's a criticism mm. point I have. That really resonates with me, I mean, very deeply. I, I've talked a few times about, you know, when I talk about my own kind of deconstruction process, mm-hmm. that it's much more something that comes in waves than, than any kind of a linear uh, sort of path. Um, and one of the things the last couple of years that I've really been unpacking is this idea of language. Um, and I, I was telling a friend um, the other day, we were sitting out on my back porch having a beer and kind of talking, and we're both sort of in that, we're about the same age and we're both sort of in that same place of um, trying to figure out what it is that we believe. And, and I said to him, I was, I, I've been coming to the realization lately that for me, Christianity is more of a language I speak than a belief system that I subscribe mm, to. And, that's, and that's really that, powerful. That probably takes a lot more unpacking than we want to get into. But but I, I, I say that to kind of, to go back to what you were saying about, we use this language that has become so muddled because we don't define the terms. We use mm-hmm. words that meant one thing in an ancient culture in a yeah, different language yeah. that have been translated and, and are our American exceptionalism and hubris um, has us believing that these words have meant the same thing for time and memoriam that they mean to me today. And and there's just no concept for the idea that like you keep, you know, the old line from the princess bride, you keep using that word. I don't think you know what it means. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Relying on the same old results in the same old. Uh, mm-hmm. And and the problem with that is it doesn't really apply to what children are learning in school. Subatomic particles. You mean they're all around us? They're they're flowing through us. Uh, uh, neutrons, photons, you know, <laughs> protons, <laughs> electrons. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 what life began four and a half billion years ago? No, 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 no. <laughs> it was 4,000 years ago. What? See, that's crazy. And, and for the church to continue to speak as if it believes all of that craziness, um, it's turning more and more people off. I am so amazed that Christian education hasn't changed. Um, I've, mm-hmm. I've witnessed uh, vacation Bible school programs where uh, uh, Dan, uh, Daniel's fiery furnace, furnace is reconstructed, and and the children, you know, and it's fake fire, of course, and the children are encouraged <laughs> to step in and 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 then come back out, having emerged uh, from the fiery furnace. Good grief! Keep them away from the oven at home. <laughs> <laughs> People, that did not happen. <laughs> you cannot step into a 5,000-degree burning furnace and expect to come out alive. That's crazy. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's that kind of stuff that just turns thinking people off. Yeah. And why is it that the expectation is that when we enter the doors of the church, we have to leave our brains outside? 
Yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's a great question. Yeah, so that that's been my that's been my frustration throughout forty six years. You know, in seminary, I learned about biblical criticism and and uh, the history of how we got the Bible, and 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 I can remember looking forward to sharing that kind of information. But boy, yeah, be prepared to run into all kinds of resistance and. Uh, hostility when you start to do that and and uh, so it, it the whole 46 years was a matter of still trying to figure out ways to put that kind of information in uh, without damaging your own sense of authenticity uh, and and yet focus on those matters that people can agree to yeah. such as care for the poor and, and the social mm. kinds of issues those things would fly, uh, and and so it may be that the tendency was to rely more on those foci in the scriptures. Um, yeah, I just had a quick thought, and it went away. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I remember. Um, so my story, you know, when I when I met you, Jim, was we were. Ann and I were just kind of church hurt, you know, spiritual abuse and, and trying to make our way through that. And so you and I um, started meeting for breakfast and chatting and, you know, and you were the first person um, in a leadership role that never uh, required me to read a book. You would just drop like, hey, you might like this book, but, you know, you don't have to. And I remember coming home and talking to Anna and being like, I want to get this book, but like he didn't make me. And it was just it was just a huge paradigm shift for me. <laughs> But um, but I was this exactly what you talked about. So I was in a part-time ministry role while working a full-time job, and I caught myself like so. The deconstruction was happening, but it wasn't until after I met you when like the bottom fell out as far as deconstructioning my um, uh, my faith. Really, like I still, even though I was deconstructing before I met you, it was like still trying to hold on to a physical resurrection or still trying to hold on to um you know, there's life in Jesus' blood, you know, all these things. And then some of the books you had me read, I remember one time it was like a Christmas and I came down, I was getting ready to tell Anna something that I read. And she's like, don't you dare ruin Christmas for me. <laughs> she's like, don't you dare ruin it. And, and now, obviously now, like we're, you know, we're past that. But, um, and also, I acknowledge oh, yeah. that I did an awful job regurgitating information that you and I would have breakfast and I would come home and, and like, like Tim the Toolman Taylor on, on Tool Time, when <laughs> the neighbor would give him amazing information, he would go and regurgitate it and be like awful. But anyways, <laughs> I, I caught myself on the pulpit preaching and I, I pre, uh, every Sunday to kids and to youth. And I was like, I, it was like an out-of-body experience. I can't, like I'm saying this stuff and I don't believe it one percent of my body and that was a really i think that was the moment when i realized yeah ministry's done for me because i just i just can't and it, and it wasn't like the church was forcing me to do it but at the same time they were wanting me to do to, to do curriculum that was like uh, i yeah yeah like i don't yeah. i don't want to talk about the bible like that that crushed me like, i know people some people love it but like so anyways so like i really relate to to, to that story and, and, you know, sharing the stories, but not having to go into like the, the garbage of it. Um, yeah, that was really impactful. So, but let's get into, uh, so you, you were talking about, um, 
Well, let me let me say this also for the listener who's listened to the podcast. The here comes the full circle. Uh, Jim Norton and a previous guest, Jim Nolan, mm-hmm. are good buddies. Yes. So, um, you guys have a meditation group, um, and you were talking about the impact of uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's writing on your life and meditation, and how that's kind of transforming or changing uh, your mind uh, in these years. So. Um, you know, just kind of dive into that for us. Yeah. I, well, the first thing that comes to mind is that the work of Thich Nhat Hanh uh, encapsulates uh, a history of ancient wisdom, um, wisdom that is older than Christianity. And and uh oh, <laughs> oh yeah, there there were more things around than <laughs> Wait, the Judaism. Don't you ever, dare ruin Christianity <laughs> for me! <laughs> and and too late. And yet, uh, too late. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Jim. I had to be, be kind. Be kind. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 yet, that wisdom relates very well with with how our understanding of. Uh, the cosmos. I've come to mm-hmm. the opinion, along with others, this is not original with me, that religion has to be the new, that science has to be the new religion. If we don't pay attention to science, uh, then then we're out of the ballpark. And, and so what science is doing is incredible. We mentioned earlier the quantum particles. Um, the universe has been filled from the very beginning with the same particles that exist now. So that when I'm breathing deeply during a meditation period, I may be breathing in some of the same particles that Jesus exhaled when he spoke some of his words, some of his teachings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because that that's the same old that has always been. The universe mm-hmm. is comprised of particles. And, and, and right now there's a combination of energies and particles that are in me. Uh, when you can no longer see me on this earth, I will have transitioned into other forms of life. Uh, I, uh, I may become a slug or, or I may become an icicle. Uh, a crystal hanging from a cliff, breathing in a beautiful meadow down below, um, which was an experience that one person reported to me uh, that resulted from hypnosis. Uh, so, it, in a sense, there is no birth and death. There's just simply transformation from one manifestation of life to another. And being aware of that puts us in closer touch, from my point of view, uh, to the cosmos, mm-hmm. to the wholeness of life. Uh, and, and meditating uh, helps me to be aware of my oneness with all that is. So that when I look at another person even through the miracle of Zoom. <laughs> God help us. <laughs> I, 
I am in that other person. There are particles passing between us, and I'm as much a part of that person as I am of myself. So if I do good for that person, I am doing good for myself. Uh, hmm. So Thich Nhat Hanh would say there is no such thing as genuine altruism, that old argument in philosophy classes, uh, because we're all so utterly connected uh, that, that what affects one affects all. The ripple effects um, uh, reach out into the entire universe. Hmm. And, and, and I think the church would be further ahead, and maybe this is the only way for the church to survive. I have a provision to that. <laughs> um, is by moving more in the direction of mystics, mysticism or uh, allowing a sense of mystery uh, to take place. So that we're never sure of anything. Uh, the thing that turns off, as Brandon was alluding to earlier, uh, was this certainty that everything is a certain way. God mm. help us. <laughs> that That's absurd. No one can know that. And to presume to know that means that you are taking the place of God. I mean, yeah. what difference is there between you and God? You know it all. You're omnipotent. <laughs> You're all-knowing. There's a technical term for that, but I don't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, the proviso, the thing that I find distressing is there's a resurgence of uh, uh, a character of American life uh, that that would argue against everything I've just said. Uh, that rugged individualism, which sees mm -hmm. one another as a separate self who can do whatever yeah. he wants and make his way in the world and become master of the universe. Um, and that that represents at least a third of our country, and and uh, people are flocking. Uh, uh, to that point of view that is magical, uh, uh, that, that thinks that if you ask and pray hard enough, you can get whatever you want. Yeah. And, and I, one time I was in the emergency room with a friend, uh, uh, had a terrible car accident uh, and was not going to make it. And the doctor was pretty convincing about that. But there was another pastor there from, from that perspective. And he kept saying, oh, if we pray hard enough, she'll come through this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I kept trying to urge the family to listen to what the doctor was saying. And of course she died. <laughs> and. Mm. You see the confusion inherent mm -hmm. in that kind of approach? Yeah. Thich Nhat Hanh insists that all of the resources we need are already in us. 
they were born in us four and a half billion years ago. And, and they're still around, still evolving, still transforming. Uh, and, and, and the history of humankind coming up from uh, apes, sorry about that, <laughs> to rough humanoid forms. And, and then roughly around 200,000 years ago, humans that look more like us. Um, and, and all that while. The elements of creation have been involved in evolution, and and uh, and if our focus can shift away from creationism, um, we can begin to be open to the wonders, <laughs> the mystery, um, mm. breathing in. Uh, this, this incredible business, absolutely incredible. There is no good reason we should be here. It took mm -hmm. an accident to get us here. Uh, contemplating that and just marveling in uh, life, this, this incredible mystery of life. Hey, a little break in the interview. We'd like to say, if you like what we're doing at Excellent Tomatoes, please rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us. Yeah, and uh, again, if you want to support the work that we're doing here at Accidental Tomatoes, you can do that through Patreon. Connect with us on our website, accidentaltomatoes.com, or go to patreon.com slash accidentaltomatoes to learn more. And now, back to the podcast. Wow. I, I love, I, I, there are so many, like, I know. Yeah. My, my ADD brain is about to explode because I've got 62 questions. I want to, one of the things you mentioned that I, I kind of want to go back and unpack a little bit. Cause I think it's, I think it's really important is, you, you know, you, you said um, uh, something along the lines of, of science becoming the next religion. Yeah. And I, I really resonate with that. And I think, so I'm, I'm going to try to see how succinctly I can sort of tell this story. One of the, okay. one of the um, sort of epiphanies that I've had in my own kind of um, faith development, whatever, mm -hmm. spiritual um, development has been um, this idea. And it, it's, it's again, it's not my idea. I think it um, comes more from um, Taylor Deschardins that this idea that oh, um, yeah. Yeah, right. lo love Love is the fabric of the universe, right? If, <laughs> so, and, and I, I've kind of back in my preaching days would sort of try to explore that theme that like, if, if we believe that God is love, you know, and, and that God is the creator, which even that has a lot of like problematic language to it, but, but just to sort of simplify it, if, if we can believe those two things on whatever level we believe them. The, the logical conclusion to that is that love is the creative force of the cosmos. Okay. And I think what we're beginning to see the very leading edge of in like quantum mechanics is something that's leading us that way. Yes. Right. And I think you touched on that, right. Yes. That, that all of this, you know, subatomic yes. matter and energy that exists right. is the product of 
of love that is not just an emotional exchange, right? But is the essence of being, right? And so when, you know, like um, when Richard Rohr talks um, recently a lot about, yeah, um, you know, the, the idea, and, and, we, and Brandon and I have talked about this on the podcast before, this whole idea of quantum entanglement, right? right. Where particles, uh, you know, that are separated by great distance can react to one another. Yes. Um, what what happens when when we begin to see love as part of that equation, uh-huh. right? And and the connectedness and it's and it goes so far beyond that sort of fundamentalist, biblical, um, literalist sort of interpretation of right. things. And at the same time, I I think it doesn't to me anyhow. It doesn't make the scriptures any less meaningful, right? But it does sort of require you to view them from a different perspective, right? Yeah. Our, our seminary term would be our hermeneutic, right? What is yes. our, what is what is the interpretive lens that we bring to this work? Right. And I think that's important, though. To see, if we can say, "I'm going to bring this interpretive lens that that accepts what science is telling us," mm-hmm. and 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 also accepts this notion that that we are we are here because love exists. Right. And what is what is the implication of that, right? For for the broader existence of humanity um, in the in the yeah. world and in the cosmos. Yeah, you, thank you for uh, uh, giving us a hint at what really is your hermeneutical, the 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 basis that informs how you approach the scriptures, um, mm. and and that's that's a good hermeneutic. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh, um would would provide some correction to that um, because all of life is is um, one. That means the stuff we don't like, the accidents, the the deaths, yeah. the hurt, the pain, um, and and that's in the picture as well. And sometimes it's difficult. Uh, with a hermeneutic of love to try to include that in the oneness of life. And, and uh, I think Thich Nhat Hanh would say, presuming to be an authority, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that we have within us the resources that have always existed, I'm repeating myself, uh, to handle to come to terms, to be able to, after appropriate process, uh, realign ourselves with the sense of mystery and holiness Mm. in the universe. Um, uh, Sometimes, well, I think I, I don't know if I said this in that sermon or not, Brandon, um, that, that, that thing that people say at annual conference that I just detest. God is good. And the people respond, all the time. And the leader says, all the time? God is good. Well, come on. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> Life is not always good, but it's a part of the whole picture. And, yeah. and, 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 and it has never been always good. <laughs> you imagine two simple single cells of separate species managing to mate and produce uh, 
a complex cell that could grow and become larger and add more cells. And, and, and finally, here we are. <laughs> what kinds of struggle, <laughs> what, what kinds of threats <laughs> did that, that simple intermarry marriage <laughs> have to face in order for us to get it, the struggle? You know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing, but I'm. I'm just adding a caution yeah, think, yeah. about how sometimes love gets interpreted as meaning that everything always has to be good. Yeah, yeah. No, That's a good point. it isn't good. Uh, but the resources within us, which include love, for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm in absolute agreement with your hermeneutic uh, principle, uh, but but somehow we have to be clear that it's both and, not yeah, or. yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of the the sort of the the principle in physics, you know, that tells us that light is both a particle and a wave. Right. right? <laughs> I, on, I, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think we can think, I, and I think that's why light is such a good metaphor for love. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a nice example, yeah. It, yeah, it depends yeah. on whether you're looking at it or not. <laughs> right, right. And you can't, I can't remember where I first heard this. It was in some online sermon that I listened to years ago. Yeah. I, I think it was Donald Miller that wrote Blue Like Jazz. Yes, um, in a guy. In a talk that I heard him give said... <laughs> you know, it was sort of this reminder, like, you you can't really see light. You can only know that light exists by how it's um, reflected off right. of objects. And I, I think there's something in that about oh, how yes. love is, right? Yes. You, you can't, you don't know what the source, you can't pinpoint visually, physically the source of love, right. but you know love exists by how it right. reflects right. off of, you know, other things. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Man. This is one of those good, deep, like bottle of bourbon campfire. Yeah, I know conversations yeah. that we like to invite our listeners into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I need to push pause and just sit in for a few minutes and what else? <laughs> hey, you're in charge. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's right. This is how every Bob Evans breakfast would uh, would happen. I'd be like, oh, "Hold on, hold on, wait. What'd you say? <laughs> I gotta. I need to. I need to sit in that for a bit. And then I would come home and just stare at a wall and be like, "I've always been nasty that way." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I'm oh, always yeah. delighted when I find another clergy person that thinks that way. Like, okay, I'm not. I'm not out on this island all by myself. There are some of us who are. Yeah. Um, and I think that's how that's how the world works, right? That's how ideas promulgate in the world. Like it starts, you know, in, in smaller circles and it expands and, yeah. um, and that, and that's why I think these conversations are so important, right? I agree. Um, because they only get traction in the world when, when you have them in sort of more and more and more public spaces. Right. So, I, yeah. uh, Jim Nolan was helpful. We, we mentioned him earlier and uh, he has, as a matter of fact, he has a wonderful diagram uh, that he designed, and if you ever have him back, you should make him bring it with him. Um, yeah, I think I think we had it. I think I know where you're you, going with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, so the there temple, are yeah. these these various philosophies and religion, and a lot of times 
we get into one of those pockets and 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 we think we've arrived and there's no need to go any yeah. further so we don't really move toward greater depth or toward the center um and 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 perhaps it's because we're not comfortable with ambiguity mm-hmm. uh, we want we want like mathematicians for everything to be pr- precise and 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 so we tend to buy into systems that that give us that kind of assurance which is a very fallacious assumption to make in terms of experiencing life so yeah yeah and 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 i am so indebted to his friendship and and he's the one who introduced several of us to Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, uh, and, and the way that has expanded the horizons uh, that, that, that makes for a sense yeah. of significance in the midst of puzzle. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a slippery slope now. you got to watch out for that slippery slope. You, know, you, you start... Reading these philosophers. Yeah, my Pentecostal friends would say there's no hope for me. Or they'll pray pray for me. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Satan's got a hold of your brain. and and, Only if you repent. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, so Jim, I don't know how to say this nicely or say it without being offensive. (laughs) It It is really meaningful to me. Some would say I'm a young buck. I don't feel like a young buck. I mean, forty and be forty in three years, four years, and I just. Uh, anyways, um, it's really it's really meaningful to me that someone if, of your age. How do, I don't know how to say that. <laughs> someone hey, in their in their I'm golden years, and I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's really meaningful to me that. Um, that you're still growing, that you still want to grow. Um, I've always told Anna that, and this is when I was in the church, because I, I would always, I'd always pontificate on the older generation. And this is probably a little naive of me, but of the older generation being so stuck in their ways and not like embracing, like when rap really came onto the scene in the church, like, you know, they started having some Christian rap artists and, and the older generation was like, well, we don't like it. So we're not going to have it. And I would be like, but when you were young, like you did the new thing. So why can't you let us? Do so, sorry, that's a rant. But anyways, <laughs> it means, it means a lot to me that, you know, you're not like, Hey, I retired from ministry. I have all the answers. I'm just going to ride off into the sunset. And these young whippersnappers don't know what they're doing, but like the fact that you're still growing and that you're like looking back on, you know, that you're changing your, your mind at your age. Like that's, that's really impactful to me that, uh, you know, it's not you get the answers and you just live in those answers. But you know, the fact that you're still on the journey is really, really meaningful to me. So thank you. I, well, I thank you for that, Brandon. Um, I, I think that's easier for me because life has been a continual process of changing. Uh, I'm, I'm not the rat I was when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> And and again, Thich Nhat Hanh says, you know, that's that's the nature of life. We are constantly, and you know, the person I was ten years ago. Those brain cells have gone, and new <laughs> brain cells have formed, 
and and um, that's that's the only constant in life change. Mm. Um, and and uh, I I guess I really value uh, more than anything else that capability of openness uh, that will permit new truth when it has proven itself. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean I'm uncritical, not at all. But it, but when when it makes sense, then I'm going to follow it. Yeah, that's that's really powerful. Yeah, you know, one of, one of the things we were we were kind of talking about before we started recording the episode was, um, you know, in 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 the work that I do, you know, with with folks who are in various places in a deconstruction sort of journey, like when I when I speak into like the institution about that, there's this assumption that I'm talking about young people, right? That people Brandon's age and younger. And yeah. I'm closer, I'm closer to 60 than I am to 50 right now. So, <laughs> but, uh, but what I've noticed is, and, and that might be part of it. Like I, I, I understand that there's a bias built into that just because of where I am. Most of the people that I'm dealing with that are dealing with, I shouldn't say that in relationship with that are deconstructing are in their forties, fifties, and sixties right now. Yeah. It's, it's not all a millennial, um, you know, sort of phenomenon. There, there are a lot of us who grew up in that institutional church birthed out of, you know, world war one and world war two, which is a whole historical thing we could get into in, in another podcast, maybe um, that are, that are coming to that realization because we want to be lifelong learners. We're trying to continue to expand and transform. Um, we're starting to realize, yeah, you know, a, a lot of that stuff, we didn't get it right. And I, a lot of people find that offensive, I think, because I, I've run into this. I kind of call it the, um, you're calling my grandma a liar syndrome. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. But, and, but that's people are resistant when you try to explain something in a different way because they've been so indoctrinated in this system that when you say, you know, I, I, I know what the Bible says, yeah. I think we've been interpreting it wrong. And I think we've been doing that for about a hundred years. Yes. What people hear is, oh, so you're calling my grandma a liar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think that's one yeah. of those reasons we're so stuck, yeah. um, you know, as, as an institution is, you know, we've, and again, you know, it comes back to that desire for comfort and certainty and which, which I, I feel like is all born out of um, a resistance to fear mm-hmm and a resistance to suffering. Um, I, I think you, you nailed it earlier when you were talking about um, Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, kind of expanding our view of of what it means to say God is good all the time. Like, shitty stuff happens in the world, right? Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and I think it's naive of us to think, you know, oh, God is using that all for, like, I, I don't know. That, to me, that's a naive view of what God even is. But again, that's a whole other, uh, whole other conversation. But, um, but that ability to be a lifelong learner, to constantly be taking in and processing new information. And then, you know, as, as we mature in age to me, what I think is important is that's not just for me. It's not just for us. It is for the, you know, we have a, a, a saying in our, the United Methodist mission statement, which is a whole corporate <laughs> conversation, but you know, that, that, that we do what we do for the transformation of the world. Like, and we forget that we we get focused on the whole 
disciple making and doing church and whatever that is. And we forget that there's like, there's a mandate for transformation in there. And it's not yeah. just for me as an individual, um, but it's for the betterment of the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Over the years, the church has come up with one strategy after another. Oh my. Oh uh, yeah. To Institutions going to, to institution. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, one concern I have about Thich Nhat Hanh at this point is he had a stroke in 2014. He's still alive and he's finally back in Vietnam. He was uh, exiled from Vietnam because of the stands he took relative to the conflict there and, and was never allowed to return. Uh, but after the stroke, he was able to return. So he's back in his native land. He's 95 now. Uh, and unable to communicate, uh, but but the the information that is uh, being made available says he's living comfortably, which which is mm. which is mm. terrific. My concern is that what will happen will be the same thing that happens with all great teachers. Mm. An institution will be built around it. Yeah. And, yeah. and right now I've discovered that all of his works, the copy of copyright of all of his works are held by a corporation. So, so that, mm. that, that process of institutionalizing and, and building walls around, um, a great teacher, uh, uh, probably will continue yeah. it's the human tendency to domesticate truth <laughs> oh i love that phrase yeah there there i can't remember who there's somebody i should credit this quote to um and i can't figure out i can't think of who it is right off the top of my head but um it's this notion that that all movements mm -hmm. eventually become institutions yes. and all institutions eventually become in, cave in on in, themselves in, right in, it's just yeah. the natural cycle <clears throat> And I think that's, you know, one of the things, you know, we talk a lot about where we are, you know, with sort of the church today. I, and, and I think the reason a lot of people are very nervous is because I think that's where at least the American brand of Protestant Christianity, if not more broadly, but at least that is at that point where the, the movement, you know, what began as a very, you know, healthy, productive, uh -huh. needed movement became institutionalized and yeah. now the institution is beginning to crumble. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and people don't know what to do with that, right? right? Uh and and the, and again the the fear and the control narratives um begin to kick in yeah. and and the, you know the old saying a dying mule kicks the hardest like <laughs> I think I think that's a lot of what we're seeing and a lot of the blowback that we get to to this the stuff that we're talking about here, you know. Yeah. is is yeah. you know the, the dying breaths of a yeah. of an old institution. Yeah. All, that needs to, right. to be reborn. All of which leads to uh, an overwhelming sense of uh, confusion and chaos. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And discomfort. <laughs> yeah. Rob Bell has the best quote that I, that I love. He's like, if Jesus came back today, he would be appalled that they made a religion after his name. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. 
Well, we're uh, we're getting close to the end. This could go on for hours and spawn off to multiverses of episodes. <laughs> See how I slid in, in the multiverse? Um, nice, MCU. Nice. Uh, Jim, before we end, is there anything else you, you would like to, to say that we, we might have missed or that you want to share? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. I, I might mention that uh, the book you're referring to, Transformation Through Meditation, um, did run into some problems, even with the robot publishing robots that picked up on some words or something, uh, or because a complaint was filed. Uh, I don't care, but uh, it's it went under critical review, and and is still at a for a period of time it was no longer available. They took it out. Uh, however, they do have it up still if people, if enough people indicate a desire to get it, uh, they can they can run a print of it. I'm, I'm, but in, in negotiating with the publisher um, in the aftermath of all of that, um, I've decided to uh, um, revise the book, changing the title which was one of the complaints. Um, evidently, uh, it was not seen as a book about meditation. And, and I think that's a correct crit- critique. Uh, it was more about personal reflections resulting from meditation. So yeah. that's okay. okay. So, so, I'm, so we didn't, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I'm, I'm in the process of revising it, changing the title, changing the table of contents, adding some new material. Uh, okay. And so I'm glad they raised the objection because it gives me a chance to correct some of the grammar <laughs> and, good, yeah. and, and some of the crazy sentence, sentence structure. When when, yeah. when you're writing, your mind sees it very clearly, yeah. but sometimes yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. come out on the yeah. page that way. So uh, having a chance to revise those portions has, has been a blessing. So it, mm. it will come out under a new title but with a lot of changes and additions. I might explain that. Awesome. Yeah, so we didn't really didn't really dive into that, but when we first started the interview or started when we scheduled the interview, you had a book that had just you had just dropped and it was on Amazon and right. I got a copy. I got, I got a signed copy, uh, Joe. I don't oh, know about man. I got a signed copy. <laughs> and I think it said on there if I remember it said Brandon, you are my favorite person alive ever. I was like, oh, well, I'm joking. Um, I didn't um, say that. I know. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, well, shit. Now the truth comes out. Uh, let me hit delete on this record, on this recording. Um, That's a little hyperbole there. <laughs> um, but great book. But then you ran. So then when. Then when the episode when we were going to record, you went through Amazon Amazon saying or like you just said, so they pulled it down, uh, and you were your book was mainly on the writing uh, of Thich Nhat Han and the meditation and how it meant to you. Right. But the the critique was I, that you were you were using too much of his book or or, or the way I, the title was and stuff. What the other criticism, if I most of the information provided to me was in the form of four letters and sometimes that's difficult to decipher but i got the sense that 
another critique was that it was uh, promoting another author's work, which is also forbidden, except okay. except as a commentary. Well, my book is not a commentary, um, so I I wasn't about to try to make it into that. Uh, so right now I'm just revising it and hope that. Uh, the awesome. o- overview committee lets it go. So we'll see. <laughs> Great. Well then keep us posted because when it's, you know, when it's available again, then we, you know, we'll definitely promote that. Cause it's a great book. It's a short read. It's, you know, yeah. um, thank you. but, uh, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah. thank you. well, Jim, thank you so much for uh, taking your time. I want to wrap up and be a little sappy if you don't mind. Oh, um, oh. I kind of allude to it in the beginning, but, uh, Jim, I cannot express how much you mean to me. Um, you came in a very. You came into my life at a very dark point. Um, I wasn't really sure what direction to even go in, and you allowed me to bounce crazy ideas off of. Um, showed me there was other avenues to explore spirituality and the divine rather than like the small cubicle of Christianity that I was from. And I literally don't know where I'd be without you. So. Um, thank you so much for your friendship. It, it means the world to me. Um, uh, so yeah, so thank you. You and Polly are, are godsends and to Anna and I, and <clears throat> honestly, not a day goes by where Anna and I don't, Anna and I don't make a mention of how important you guys are to us. So again, thank you for, for being you. <laughs> You're very kind, Brandon, and the feeling is very mutual, sir. Very mutual to the point that I might be your most favorite person on the earth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think maybe my wife occupies that position. <laughs> what? I'm going to give Polly a call right now. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Jim, man. thank you so much. But I uh, love it was you a pleasure. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. And you too, Joe. This has been a yeah. Oh, it's been it's been so much fun. To, um, to get to, to meet you. you know, we, yeah. Yeah. You you and I kind of run in these sort of yeah. um, Venn diagram sort of circles where <laughs> like um, we know the same people and a lot of but but this is the first time that you and I've had a chance to chat. But uh, I'm hoping we can do it again soon. I would love to maybe come back um, and do another episode on the meditative practices because okay. you know, yeah, I think yeah. that's, that's one of the things that I'm finding okay. that a lot of folks who are in this sort of deconstruction world hey, um, are, are very interested in, in these kinds of one, spiritual practices. One thing to practices. remember about meditation, everybody sucks at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yet we still can, we still can gain something that's right. uh, of meaning. That's right. So yeah, there, there, that'd be great. One, I love there that. is no, perfect way to do it <laughs> yeah i think that's an important thing for people to know well thanks so much jim hey, really it's been um, fun really appreciate the time uh it's been great thank you for the privilege see i'm telling you man. jim norton is amazing and now the listener and even joe even you uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had I'd never met Jim before. I, I knew him by reputation, and we have a lot of mutual yeah. friends. And you've been talking about him, you know, since I've known you. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, man, um, what, what a what a wealth of uh, wisdom uh, is just. That's what I kept thinking about as we were talking with Jim. Just the the wealth of wisdom that he has to share is uh, is phenomenal, and. Um, yeah, kind of like we said earlier, could, that that was a conversation that could have gone on 
true. Um, for for a long, long time. Very true. And yeah. I'm excited for to schedule the next episode with him about more into the meditation side of things that he's yeah, experienced. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that would be great. Um, it, it was a pleasure to have Jim here on Accidental Tomatoes. And uh, as always, just a quick reminder, um, you know, you can find us on the web at accidentaltomatoes.com. Uh, find us on social media. Just do a search for Accidental Tomatoes. We pop up in uh, you know Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we're in all the places. We're not on TikTok yet. I'm, I'm kind of counting on you, Brandon, uh, to make to make the TikTok thing happen. I, I don't know if uh, if TikTok is an accidental tomatoes um, venue or not, but uh, it could be. Yeah, it could be. It maybe, could be. yeah. Maybe the listener can you can get a hold of us if we need a TikTok page. Yeah, but we're always anxious to to continue the conversation. Uh, so you know, find us find us on the web. Find us on social media. Um, reach out if you have ideas for guests that you'd like to hear or topics you'd like for us to cover. Um, again, uh, hit us up uh, on the website, social media, or you can email us at accidentaltomatoes at gmail.com. So until next time, keep on growing outside the fences and join us again for another episode of the Accidental Tomatoes Podcast. <laughs>